Uh, so I'm going to need your help. I want you to think through biggest sports dynasties in the history of sports. Like what dynasties would you think of? Patriots. Patri- last 15 years, the Patriots, right? There's one. What else? Was that? Steelers. Yeah, I don't even like this. Bama. Oh, I hate Bama. Being an Oklahoma guy, like Bama. Yuck. Yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, women's soccer from the 90s, you know, but if you're in soccer, you also got to say like Manchester United, you got to say Real Madrid, you got to say Barcelona, you got to say all those. Basketball, you have like Celtics from the 50s and 60s, is that right? Like they were good back then. Okay, how about this? Just answer this one in your mind. I want you to think through all the big sports dynasties. Baseball, no one said the Yankees. What's going on here? We like Detroit fans or something? Anyway, so I want you to think through all the big dynasties, the Cowboys, because we love the Dallas Cowboys around here, right? Anyway. I, yeah, that, you know, whenever I do that, like in Fort Worth, Texas, people get so excited. It just doesn't have the same effect here at all. I want you to think through all those big dynasties, and if I had to say what is the one thing, the one common factor that makes all the dynasties great, I want you to answer what makes them great in your head. Winning. Okay, so we have some Smarty McSmarties, and Smarty McSmarties would say you win more games than the other people, that's what makes you great, but what makes you win? What if we went with that question? In the end, I think people are going to say leadership. I think that's really what we're going, we're going to say, leadership, and we would probably disagree on why. Some of you would say it's because of the owner. You've got owners willing to spend money. When you have owners willing to spend money, that's some leadership. Some would say it's the front office. It's having people shrewd enough to move the pieces around and get the right pieces in place, pieces meaning people, so that you can win. Other people would say, no, it's the coach. You got the mastermind as a coach. Would, would Jordan have been Jordan with the Bulls if he didn't have a mastermind of a coach? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows, you know? And so you got to have the... And then some other people would say, no, you just have more MVPs than everybody else and you'll win. Like, that's the key to success. Get all the MVPs on your team. You know, that's what you have to do. And yet, there's a guy out there who's done some research that says all of those answers are wrong. All of those answers are wrong. His name is Sam Walker. Here's a picture of him. He's a best-selling author. He um, works for the Wall Street Journal, I think, No, yeah, Wall Street Journal. Works for the Wall Street Journal. He went to this college in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I don't remember the name of the college. It's kind of a big deal, though, that particular university. He he went there. But here's what he said. He did some research. He actually went, and he followed up with all of these teams, with all these players, with all these coaches, with all these owners, to find the one catalyst for every single one of those organizations. And what he said, he found that it was the character of the team captains. Let me say that again. The character of the team captains that brought about the legacy of success in each organization. And his research has actually changed the way that many sports organizations are looking to build their teams now. And in fact, it's changed the way that a lot of business, even churches, are paying attention to the research this guy's produced, which is incredible because we have external pictures of what we think we're looking for in a leader. And yet he has said, Sam has said, There's something deeper and more personal and more intimate that's really the key to success for all leaders. Again, good morning, everyone. I'm Billy Creech. I am your campus pastor here at Woodside Romeo. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are 14 plus campuses this morning meeting as part of Woodside Bible Church. 
So we are one church, but we're part of something so, so much bigger. In fact, I said 14 plus because there's also a church pilot right now in the Harper Woods area called Detroit East. Now this morning we have, and I know we've already shared this with you, but we have 300 students and leaders serving all around the city this week. In fact, that's why we have a lot of students gone. We have some key leaders gone this morning because they're really on a mission trip in our own city. And uh, so we got some prayer bands. Well, I want you to do when you leave, if you miss this announcement, I just want to say it again because it's so important to me. Right when you leave, to the right is our next steps desk. I want you to stop and get a wristband. These wristbands are going to have the names of students or leaders. You'll have one student or one leader for you to pray for all week long. How powerful is that? For all of our students and all of our leaders to be bathed in prayer all week long by their church family. Isn't that cool? So here's what I'm going to do. Every time I reach down to grab that ice, is it raspberry lemonade we have? No, raspberry tea? It, what? Tea. What kind of tea? Raspberry? We have raspberry tea. If you're hot, we have iced raspberry tea in the lobby. It's awesome. I gobbled most of mine up. And so anyway, when I reach to grab my tea, I'm going to see Haley Lewis. And so whenever I go to grab my coffee tomorrow, because my air conditioner is going to work in my car, and I grab my coffee, I'm going to look, I'm going to say Haley Lewis. And when I'm driving here tomorrow, I'm going to say Haley Lewis. All week long, I'm going to be praying for Haley Lewis. That's how I'm just going to just cover her in prayer all week long. Highly encourage you. Stop. Get a wristband. Make sure you're part of the prayer journey. So if you're joining us for the first time, a special welcome to you. Um, I want to let you know that you're coming in right at the end of a sermon series because for the past seven weeks, we have been in the Old Testament studying the life of the prophet Samuel. In fact, church, go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be. 1 Samuel chapter 16, as you're turning there, since this is the last week of the series, it means next week we start a brand new one. You guys all know you shouldn't go around murdering people, right? That's good. Like, that's good that you know that you shouldn't go around murdering people. Don't go around creating havoc. Like, that, that's sin. Don't, don't, and we know that. So I don't, I don't really have to spend a lot of time preaching that sermon of we really ought not go around murdering people because we, we know that. Like, we're, we're crystal clear on that. But what about, what about those sins that we never really talk about, that they're, they're the kind of sins that really everyone struggles with because everyone struggles with it. We don't even talk about it because we don't talk about it. Everyone does it. And everyone does it to the point that's almost become socially acceptable. What about those sins? We're going to talk about those in this next sermon series. It starts next week. I am so fired up about this series because we're going to talk about things that absolutely can change your life because it's where this junk starts to sneak into your life and starts to create havoc in your life and you're not even thinking about it. You don't even realize it, but when we address it, it's going to make a huge, huge difference. That starts next week. So we've been following the life of Samuel. We're in 1 Samuel 16, but before we jump in, I want you to know that today is going to be different than almost any other morning you'll ever experience uh, for a reason. So if you're joining us for the first time, just know I'm going to preface this by saying today's experience is just going to be different. And as you're thinking, great. No, I think it's actually good that you're here because I think you're going to get to see really what, what, how the church family goes about being a church family. So there are lots of campuses. We have 14 campuses plus a campus pilot um, meeting all over the city, and that means that there's somewhere, and we don't normally say this number, but I'm going to say this number just so you understand the scope of what's going on. 
There'll be somewhere between 9,000 and 12,000 people meeting as part of Woodside Bible Church this morning. Isn't that incredible? That's a lot of people. And here's why I share that, because there's power when we come together, church. Pastor Doug Schmidt has been our senior pastor for the past 27 years. 27 years. Three years ago, he went to a small group of elders, and he said, guys, we need to start talking about transition. It's that time. Like, we have to start talking about this. So the first year, many of you have already heard this story, but I want everyone to hear it together. The first year, they stepped back and they said, let's just pray. Let's do the work of the church, and let's start with prayer. For a year, they prayed. Then the following year, they said, let's read every single book on senior leader transition that we can find. Let's read them all. And they read all the books. And then year three, which is this year, they said, okay, we're ready to start to move forward with this process. So what they did is they hired an outside search firm named Vanderbloom, and that's not even important, but they hired this search firm. That search firm earlier this year, they built a website. And essentially what the website said is, you, here's who you are, right? Here's who Woodside Bible Church is. Here's the history. Here's who we are now. Here's who Pastor Doug is. Here's the, the health of who we are as a church body. Here's everything that's going on. So it gave this, this picture of Woodside Bible Church. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of interactions with that website. And from that, people applied to this search firm. And so that number of interactions with the website got whittled down a little bit with the actual number of applicants. And then it got narrowed down a whole lot to a very small handful of applicants that seem to fit what would, just so you know, I'm not making a big announcement today. That's not where I'm going. That's, that's not what's happening. So a very small number of applicants. And then on July 1st, they went over to the search team for Woodside Bible Church and they said, here's the small number of applicants. We're putting them in your hands. And so July 1st is when the process started for Woodside to actually look at applicants. Now, so you know, I don't know any of the applicants. Like, no one has said, Billy, here are the people who have applied. So you don't need to ask me in the lobby because I'm with you. Like, I'm just praying through this journey. Those applicants are going to be looked at, and there's videos on each applicant. There's sermons. There's questionnaires. There's uh, references. And so the search team has the responsibility of sorting through until they have one final applicant that they will release later, probably in the fall. Uh, They'll tell us who that individual is. But what we're going to do through all of our Woodside campuses this morning, we're all going to pray together. How powerful is this? We're going to pray for the search process together. So throughout the morning, I'm going to stop three different times during the sermon itself. We'll stop three different times just to pray as a church body together because I want us all to be part of this process as we work our way through it. But first, and I love because it just, wait until you see how it lines up so perfectly with the text this morning. We have been reading about the prophet Samuel, right? And the prophet Samuel, we started this journey from before he was even born. We've continued this process on. Last week, we read how God had selected Saul as his earthly king. The people had cried out. They were they, they were really having a crisis of leadership, and they said, we want an earthly king. God, we don't want you as our king. We want an earthly king. So God sent this earthly king, Saul. And Saul had this huge failure. 
He heard what God wanted him to do. He said, God, I got a better plan. I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do, which is what he did. He went out and did what he wanted to do. And God said, you rejected me. Therefore, I'm rejecting you. So the prophet Samuel was left in this place of being pretty upset about it, right? He was pretty distraught. And that's where we're going to pick up chapter 16, verse 1. And before I jump in, let me go ahead and just cover the big idea as well. The big idea is this, trusting God's ways for God's leaders is going to result in our good. Trusting God's ways for God's leaders will result in our good. So oftentimes, church, what we do, we look at the externals, don't we? We look at the, what's your education, what's your background, what's your, what's your history, your work history. We work through all those things, the externals. But what we're going to do is we're going to see how trusting God's ways for God's leaders is going to result in our good. And first, we're going to see that we do that by trusting his word. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So what we see is we find Samuel is an emotional wreck right here. Right? For good reason. Think about it. Church, he has worked his whole life from before he was even born. He has worked his whole life with the hope that I'm going to move the people from being against God to being followers of God. Right? He was wanting to see them move. And now all of a sudden he's seeing, I haven't hit that mark. Back in the first week of this series, we read this. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Do you remember that? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The king is still doing that. So Samuel, this is taking place right at the end of his life. Guys, if, if this was a movie, if this was a movie, this would be the last major scene. There's a few little scenes. And then he dies. Like, this is it. This is like the last big thing that's going to happen. He knows he's getting older. He knows he's coming to the end of his days. And he's looking going, I, I, haven't, I haven't hit the mark. He's pretty upset about it. I know that sometimes that happens in our lives, doesn't it? Things in leadership don't go the way we think they should go. We're investing in things. We're working for things. We're trying to get to this place. And it doesn't end up like we think it should end up. And yet, we're going to see, just like in his life, God has a plan. Here's what God says. God says, hey, you need to pull your bootstraps up. Son, you need to quit moping around. You know, you this Southern style, just so you know. Like, you, you got to quit horsing around. I got a plan for you. He says, I have provided for myself a king among Jesse's sons. I provided myself a king. So you need to get up, shake it off, and you need to get on down the road to Bethlehem. Now, just so you know, Samuel doesn't have anything to take with him. He doesn't have a letter from God saying, I have permission to do this. 
He doesn't, he doesn't have like a, a special stat. You know, Moses at least got a stick, right? He doesn't, Samuel doesn't have anything. God is like, I just want you to take your faith and trust me and go. And I think sometimes, church, what we do is we look at these stories and we think, oh, yeah, he's a prophet. He's good to go. No, he was scared. We know he's scared because of what Scripture says. He says, I'm scared. If Saul hears, what will he do? Saul will kill me. You know why? It's called treason. If you take a king or you take a, you take a president or something, and all of a sudden you say, I'm going to replace the person who's there already, and it's not the end of their turn. That's treason. You can't do that, right? Here's why he's so scared. Look at this map. When you look at the map, you're going to see he's right now located in this place called Rama. Do you see the big red bubble right there? Rama. He's got to go all the way to the bottom to Bethlehem. Now, to do that, he's got to go through Jabia, G-I-B-E-A-H, Jabia. So as he's going through there, he knows that's Saul's hometown. Do you see why he's scared? If Saul hears what I'm up to, that's it. If Saul hears what I'm up to, I'm dead. I've got to go down to Bethlehem. If he hears what's going on, I'm dead. All I've got is my faith. Church, that's what we have anytime you're experiencing change in your life. You've got faith. We're called to be people with big faith. He's told that that new king is going to come from that place in Bethlehem, that he's going to show him. The Lord essentially says, I've already gone before you in this journey. I've already gone before you in the battle. All you got to do is have the faith to actually take the steps and go there. Church, I want you to know that. God's already gone before you in the battle. He's already gone before you. So oftentimes we get anxious. We get worried. What if this happens? What if that I know the Lord's calling me to it, but what about this and what about that? He goes before you in the battle. He is so good, and he goes before God truly is in control. And that's, that's true today, isn't it? It wasn't just true thousands of years ago as we read about what happened in Samuel's life. It's true for us today. What I want to do to start, now we're also going to pray in just a little bit. We're going to pray for the search team, and then we're going to pray for um, that, that coming person who's a candidate right now who will be the next senior pastor of Woodside Bible Church. We'll, we'll pray for that person as well. But I want to start this morning by praying for Pastor Doug. You know, as I read through Scripture and I see the crisis of leadership. It happened because Saul did not have character and integrity. That's why there's a crisis of leadership. That's why Samuel's so shaky right here. He's shaky because the leader who was in place did not have integrity. And yet for 27 years, Woodside Bible Church has not known that, have we? We, we don't know that environment. We've had a 1 Timothy 3 kind of a leader who's led well. And so what I'd like us to do in just a moment, we're going to play music and uh, just have a quiet time where you can reflect and pray. But I, I want us to pray some thanksgiving for Pastor Doug and for his wife, Carolyn, for their family. But I also want you to put yourself in his shoes just for a moment. I've tried to do that this week. What would it be like to be in one place? Trying to imagine being here. Do you know when he started at Woodside Bible Church, it was about the size of the Romeo campus? Think about that. Woodside Bible Church was about the size of the Romeo campus. Now there's 14 locations, lots and lots and lots of people meeting every single week. But he's still been with that same group the whole time, right? He hasn't jumped around. He's been with that same So I'm trying to imagine if I stayed right here for 27 years and we took a long walk together, what would it feel like when that 27 years is up? 
I have a feeling, and I, I don't know this, but I have a feeling that there's a mixture of emotions, don't you? Like there's probably excitement. Like I, I did it. You know, I did something most people just dream about, and oh my goodness, look what the Lord has done right in the midst of the work. How beautiful. And as he's getting ready to hand that baton to the next leader, I imagine it kind of is a gut punch a little bit. You know, because oftentimes, you, you probably know what it's like. You look in the mirror, and the mirror says you're getting older, but your brain doesn't feel like it, does it? Right? Your body, you look down, you're like, I can't even see my shoes anymore. My belly's in the way, you know? And so your, your body keeps changing and everything. And you're like, okay, clearly, I'm getting older because when I go try to run, like, that doesn't work anymore. You know? And so all of a sudden, your body is telling you you're getting older. Your brain doesn't want to believe it. And, and so he's in this spot of wanting to end well. And just so you know, he is not the kind of pastor who says, let's coast to the finish line. If you know Pastor Doug, that is not him. The gas is all the way to the floor. He is full steam ahead. They just launched a Monday night service at the Troy campus, if that says anything. I get tired after three services. He preaches Saturday night, three on Sunday, then turns around, preaches Monday night. Like he, It's incredible to watch uh, how he works and how he loves the Lord, how he loves the church. And so I imagine this passing the baton is just a whole mixture of emotion for him. So I think it's appropriate that we stop as a church, that we pray for our leader, that we do pray for Pastor Doug, that we, we pray for his family, just that they continue to, to remain unified like they have for years, uh, that, that we pray just as, as he's continuing to go through this transition himself, that he is um, in that place of having wisdom and discernment to know when to speak and when to be silent. But more than anything, I want us just to pray and uh, really just be thankful to the Lord for an incredible leader who, who has led well. Let's just take a moment and let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for Pastor Doug. I thank you for Carolyn. I just want to pray for their, for their marriage, Lord, that you continue to just bind them even closer together. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Doug's humility, for his humbleness, for his wisdom, for his vision. I pray for the coming weeks and months, for this coming year, 
that as batons are passed, that he's able to truly celebrate what you have done in our midst. Lord, that you continue to use him to um, shepherd and guide us over this season of transition. Change is hard, Lord. Transition is hard. So, Lord, continue to empower him. Continue to give him the perseverance to run the race that you've called us to. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The next way we trust God in bringing in leaders is we trust his vision. And that means we don't judge just on the externals. So here's what's happened. Samuel has made his way all the way to Bethlehem. He's blessed Jesse. He's blessed his family. And then they're, they're ready for this feast, right? They're ready for this, this huge feast. They're ready for this celebration. They're ready to see a king anointed. And that's where it says this in verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. So Samuel invites Jesse to this feast, and all his sons are there. And he brings his first son out, and as he brings his first son out, Samuel's like, hot dog, we're done. Like, I'm just going to pack up and go home, because this guy's the guy. You know, look at him. He's tall. He's the oldest, which means he's probably the smartest. He's got that boyish charm about him. You know, maybe he's charismatic. Isn't that what we do? Like, let's be real. Let's be real. If, if the Lions are going to hire a new coach, isn't it true that what we're going to do, those of you who are sports fans, you're going to start by saying, where has he coached before? What's his record been? Has he said anything stupid? You know, and so you're going to start going through and you're going to start measuring this guy off of everything we think a leader ought to be. Does he look the part? Is he going to fit in? Is he going to, that's what we do. Maybe it's your organization, the CEO, the CFO, the general manager, whatever. If you're looking for a new leader, you're going to look at her resume. You're going to look at his resume. You're going to start to look through them. What's been the experience of this person? Where were they educated? Where did they go to school? Do they have the look? Do they have the charm? All these externals, and that's exactly what Samuel did. And God was like, um, Samuel, that's not it. That's not the guy. And the next seven times, he said, that's not the guy. And so he had to go and say, the Lord has not chosen these the Lord has not chosen these. He had to have been just a little flabbergasted at this point, right? I picked the one that's the most leaderish looking, and that one's not the one. It reminds me of something that Paul said in the letter to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29, he says this. And this one, for me as a pastor, this one hits home. He says, consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were very wise according to worldly standards, at which point I pause and say, thanks, Paul. Like, that's, that's kind of harsh. But he says, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Even the prophet Isaiah, when he wrote about the coming of Jesus, do you remember what he said? Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he said that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. The point is this. God's looking for the heart. God is after the heart. He's not just looking at the externals. And so again, I want us to exercise some faith this morning. I want us to pray for that search team. Because just so you know, the search team is made up of people just like you. People just like you. People who love the Lord, who love their church family, and who said, I'll be faithful in serving And here's what I want to pray. I want to pray for their wisdom. I want to pray for their discernment. I want you to pray for unity. You know it would be awful? It would be awful as if all of a sudden you ended up with a split group because half like this candidate, half like that candidate. Yeah, that's not what we want. We want a place of unity for our search team, right? That's what we're after. We want the search team to be able to focus not on the externals, For a pastor, here's what that means. How does the person preach? How charismatic are they? What's their church growth numbers look like in the past? Where were they educated? Do they answer the right questions on this questionnaire? Isn't that what we do? Does their social media look right? You know, those are the questions we tend to... But I want to pray that this team's able to not just focus on the externals, but focus on the heart. You know how you focus on the heart? You say, does the person, the candidate, do they have humility? holiness, hope. That's how you measure the heart. You know, humility is that place for our senior leader where they say it's not really about me, it's not about my fame, it's not about my glory, it's about shining the light brightly on Jesus. Isn't that what we want in our next senior leader? We want someone who shines a bright light on Jesus. And then we look at the holiness aspect. That means not just can you get up and preach a sermon, but who are you behind closed doors? Are you, are you that same person that's chasing after holiness behind closed doors and hope? Pastor Doug, that's what he's done so, so well, is to say, listen, church, here's who our firm foundation is. His name is Jesus. And there's our preferred future. There's where he's calling us to. We're going to keep marching that way because that's where the Lord's calling us. We need someone who can cast vision, right? We need someone who can point us in the direction of hope even when times are, are hard. And so I just want us to have a moment to stop and to say, this is where I love Scripture, man. I love how Scripture points us thousands of years ago onto this journey that Samuel was on, and isn't that the exact same journey Woodside's on right now? Lord, what about this one? Lord, what about this one? Lord, what about that one? Knowing the Lord's got someone picked out, right? He's got that individual picked out. I just want us to take a moment, and I want us to pray for the search team, pray for their unity, and and you know what else? I'd like us to pray for their spiritual faith journey through this process. If you've ever served on a committee, if you've ever done something like then you know it can be a kick in the teeth, can it? Like you, you can go through a process sometimes and it's in the church, but all of a sudden by the end of it, you're like, whew, I'm so glad that's over. Like that one beat me up, you know, spiritually. I just feel like I've been pummeled. I mean, you know what I want? I want this search team to be able to walk through it and at the end of the day be able to say that was one of the best experiences of my life. I am so much closer to Jesus because I was able to walk that journey. That, that's what we want to pray. We want to pray for their faith journey as well as they work their way through this. So church, let's pray for the search team.
Lord, I do thank you for these individuals who are so willing to selflessly serve. I just pray for their perseverance as they're working their way over the coming weeks and months and they're spending so much time away from family and work and ministry and everything else that, um, Lord, you continue to give them uh, the, the perseverance to keep moving forward. I pray for this to be an incredibly rich time of growth, that this team's growing closer together and growing closer to you. Lord, I pray for a heart of unity. I think it's one of the things that Woodside Bible Church is known for is just, just an incredible amount of unity. And so, Lord, continue to give this particular team just a lot of unity as they move forward. Make it crystal clear the direction that they're supposed to go. Show them where doors need to be closed. And show them where you're calling them to step next. Lord, you did that with Samuel. You made it so clear to Samuel where he was supposed to go and when he was supposed to go. Do the same for us. Lord, direct our steps. Protect this team from the evil one. Give them wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, the final way we trust God's way, I've been waiting for this passage. The final way we trust God's way is we trust God's appointment because he only gives us good. In verse 11, it says, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise. Anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, which is a funny way to end because it's like, and then Samuel said, all right, we got him. I'm going home. And he was out like just that quickly. So here's where it starts. At this point, Samuel has to be confused. All right, the Lord told me to go to Bethlehem. He told me to go to Jesse's. I've done all of that. I didn't know who Jesse was, but I went to Jesse's house. I've gone through all of this. I, I saw seven of the sons, and he looks at Jesse and says, Jesse, is that, is that it? Like, I mean, do you have any other sons? And then Jesse gives this, oh, do you know that y'all do that? Like Michiganders, they have this word. You may not even realize it. it it's oh. And, and I've started using it, and I didn't. I never used it before. Well, it's not a word in the South, just so you know. But like, if if you're going around the grocery store and you bump into someone, you're gonna go, "Oh, <laughs> excuse me," right? But you'll say, "Ope." I guess is how you spell "ope." And so I actually got on Google and I looked it up this week to be like, "What is ope? Like, what does that mean?" Translate it into Southern lingo. And in Southern lingo is like, "Well, I declare," or it'd be like saying. Oh, my goodness. And so it's where Jesse would be like, oh, my goodness, I forgot. I got another, which I don't know how you forget you got a son. But he's like, ah. or in Michigander, it'd be, oh, I got another son. <laughs> he oped him right here. He oped him. And so he's like, oh, I got another son. We need to get it. And here's what Samuel says. Samuel says, no, you don't understand how big this is. We are waiting for the next king of Israel. So we are not going to sit down and have us a little snack. Like we're not going to eat. We're not going to do anything. We're going to sit here and wait for that son. So they send and they get David. And then they bring David in. And do you see the first thing scripture says about David? It talks about his appearance, doesn't it? 
It, it says that, that, that he's this, it says he's young, which can also mean small. And so David's smaller in stature. It says he's ruddy. You know, it means he might have red hair, possibly. Possibly has red hair. More than likely, though, he has this kind of red. He's been outside in the sun, right? He's been watching sheep. So he's probably got this, this reddish complexion to him. But we know he's handsome, Scripture says. We know that he has some nice eyes. I, I'm like, thank you, Bible, for that. Like, he's got nice eyes. David has great eyes. And I'm like, what? All the things you could tell me. Like, that's the thing. But it does. It tells us he's got great eyes. And I think that's important because it makes me go back to verse 7. Because in verse 7, I'm reminded that God is not going to select based on the externals. God is not going to select the leader just because of his looks. It's the heart that he's after. And the Lord says to Samuel, that's the one. That's the one we're looking for. Immediately. And I love this. I love the faithfulness of Samuel. You know, Samuel's like, people might like this, they might not like this, but I know I'm following the Lord, and I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. So immediately, he takes that horn of oil. He anoints David right there. David just come in from watching the sheep, and all of a sudden, he's getting oil poured all over him right in front of his brothers, right in front of his dad. He's the youngest. He's the smallest, and he's the one that they're being told, this is going to be the king of Israel right here, pours oil. And then Samuel's like, I've done my job. I'm going to go. And from the line of David, born in the city of Bethlehem, came Jesus. And so I read this church, and I got to tell you, this week I was just glued to my Bible going, oh my goodness, this is awesome. This is so powerful. You can't, you can't celebrate Christmas, I don't think, without going back to this and saying how beautiful is this moment. How beautiful beautiful is this moment right here. David's going to become king. Now, he's not a perfect king. He's not a perfect guy. Leadership's hard, isn't it? If you've ever led anything, you know that. You know it's, you can't, there's no such thing as a perfect leader. If you're a parent, you're leading in your family, you're not a perfect parent. Like I've told you, have I told you about taking my kid's foot and getting it caught in the bicycle and rolling in emergency? Did I tell you about that story? No, I'll tell you about that story someday. I told you about the Bengay brushing the teeth. It's spicy, Dad, right? Anyway, I've made some mistakes in my day, right, as a dad. I am not a perfect dad. And when we watch our president, we're not going to have a perfect president. And we're not going to have a perfect coach. The coach will not be perfect. He will not win every quarter and every half and every game. There are no perfect coaches out there. They don't exist. You don't have a perfect GM. You don't have a perfect CEO. They don't exist. Pastors are not perfect. And I shared my heart with you back in December. No, Mark, I don't know what month it was. I have no idea what day it was. But I shared my heart with you, if you remember, where I said part of my hesitancy is I know I'm not perfect. I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess anything up, right? I don't, I don't want to mess up a church because of my imperfections. And yet, isn't it true that God always takes imperfect leaders and does extraordinary things? That's what we're looking at our next leader and praying we know that God has selected in this very small handful of applicants, God has the leader for Woodside Bible Church selected. He's not going to be perfect, church. 
He's going to say things that maybe make you scratch your head or maybe he's going to have a picture and you're going to look at it and go, I don't know, that would post it down social media, you know? And so he's not going to be perfect, but God selected a leader for us. And so I want us just to stop as a church family and, and pray for him even now. Pray for his family because think about this. When you switch jobs, many times depending on your job, you have the luxury of I'm going to shut this one down one day and I'm going to move over and I'm going to start over here the next day. It doesn't work that way in church. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but in church, if that individual's at another church, that person's going to have to say goodbye to their church family. And they're going to have to pick up their home and explain to kids and the rest of family and friends, no, we're not rejecting family and friends there. Really, we still love you. Just the Lord's calling us somewhere else. That's hard. That's such a hard process. And then they're going to come to Woodside Bible Church, and all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything. I want us praying for the family. Can we, can we do that this morning? I want us praying for us as a church that we, we follow well that the leaders who are leading with that senior pastor, that they, they lead well. We want to pray for that. We want to pray for the courage and the confidence to lead Woodside Bible Church in the way that God's calling them. Right? So we want to pray for courage and confidence in that person. But I, I want us to stop and just pray for that next leader who God has selected. Lord, I do thank you that your thoughts are so much bigger than our thoughts, that your ways are higher than our ways. I thank you that your word does not return void. I thank you that you're still in the process of taking us right where we are and doing the most extraordinary of things. I do pray for this next leader of Woodside Bible Church for our next senior pastor. Lord, I know that you have that person selected. So I thank you for their experience. I thank you for their education. I thank you for family and friends who have poured into them for years. I thank you for their calling to you, for their faithfulness to you. Lord, I do pray for the family through this time of transition that um, right now they can't even dream of everything that's going to happen in this next year. And yet you know, 
Lord, you know, and you're going to be right there through every single step. I pray for us as a church to follow well. Lord, to surround this family with open arms to celebrate the work that you've done in and through them. I pray for this individual to continue to have the courage to lead well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, I, as we prepare to end, I, w- I want to leave you with this. I think if you start talking to people at all of our churches and you said, hey, who's the leader of Woodside Bible Church? You know what I think? I think some people would look and they'll name off a deacon or maybe an elder or maybe their campus pastor. I think they'll say some of that. Maybe a different staff person at Woodside. But I think if you kept asking and kept asking and kept asking, eventually you're going to come to this answer. Someone's going to look and they're going to say, no, the real leader of Woodside Bible Church is the Lord. That's what they're going to say. The real leader of Woodside Bible Church is the Lord. And he has shown that through the years. He is the one Leading Church, I don't know what tomorrow's tomorrow may hold, but here's what I know. I know that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know he has a plan for us, and I know that I am fired up to be part of it. That's what I know. So I am uh, so thankful that I get to be part of this journey with you. And I uh, just want you to continue to be in prayer for Pastor Doug, for the search team. Uh, be in prayer for our next senior pastor. I am praying right alongside you. At this time, I want you to stand as we continue to celebrate and sing.